Welcome everybody to the Steve Jordan Experience. I am excited about today's podcast because I have with me someone who is a transformational life coach, someone who changes people's minds, their views to live their very best life uh, from the inside out. She is a psychotherapist, a transformational life coach, a presenter, radio show and podcast host, author and filmmaker. Seems like she's like me, a jack of all trades and probably master at all of them. Uh, she's experienced what it fully means to be lit up and fully alive in life. And so she's now sharing her wisdom, experiences, and education and background with us today. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie James. Thank you. Such a joy to be here. So glad to be with you. So, Stephanie, what lights up your life? Oh, my God. You know, that, that's such a great question. And Really, this is funny because I, I was listening to my boyfriend tell me yesterday that he was on the phone with a friend and he heard me laugh from the other room. And he's like, you know, that's just Stephanie. Like if she stubs her toe, she finds joy. Hmm. And it's it's the smallest of things for me. You know, honestly, it's one of the things I take inventory of. So when I wake up in the morning, the things that bring me joy are literally like I have gratitude for waking up in a warm bed. When I go to my front room, I have this really big picture window. And as I open the blinds, even if it's a cloudy day, it floods the house with light. That brings mm. me joy. Snuggling with my dog. Every day I go out into the backyard and it doesn't matter if it's rain or snow here in Colorado. I put my feet on the earth and just like soak up the sky and the sounds of the birds. And it's like those subtle things are what literally light me up and turn me on. That's that's how I start my day. Have you always been like this? Is this a learned experience or were you just naturally like this from a young child? Well, I would definitely say that it is inherent in who I am. I definitely have been just like a lover my whole life, always loved nature and animals and stuff. But but like all of us, Steve, like I didn't come, I didn't get out of childhood unscathed. And while I had kind of this golden, I would say, truly childhood for about 13 years, um, where I had a very, very close family, lots of relatives around, you know, the Sunday dinners with grandma and all the cousins and all that stuff. Um, and definitely I was a daddy's girl. My, my father and I super close. I was like his little shadow. If he was out mowing the lawn, I was out there, you know, raking <laughs> leaves. And, and we literally had this morning ritual where I would sit at his sink in the mornings and he'd put shaving cream on his face and then he'd put it on my face. And I used to uh, shave it with this little plastic toothbrush holder that he had, you know, just so I could be with him. And so, you know, it was really this, this beautiful, I have to say really golden childhood. So I really had all this love and experience of being seen and heard and important to my parents. And then at 13, literally in, in a single moment, my entire, my entire childhood was turned around when one night, you know, I'll, I'll never forget this night in May, my brother and I are woken up to the sound of screeching tires in our driveway. And my brother comes into my bedroom and we watch out the second story window as my mother is tearing down the driveway and my father's jumping on the hood of the car and beating his fist on the car for her to get out mom gets out of the car. She's staggering up the driveway, you know, and even as a 10 year old kid, my first thought was, oh my, or 13 year old kid is, oh my God, she's drunk. 
And it wasn't, as I noticed, it was just like her body was just like heaving with these sobs. And what ended up happening, unbeknownst to us at the time, was that my father had told her when they went to go to bed that night that he was having an affair with my best friend's mother and was was in love with her and was going to be leaving my mom. So it was like this golden childhood at that moment was forever broken. And, you know, it was just irreversibly broken at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I share this story because what happened as a result of it was really interesting. And I think what, it, what sometimes takes all of us time to come back and reclaim that joy within us, because that from that moment, my life changed, you know, being a daddy's girl, I left and moved in with my dad right away. When he left, I left. My mother had become at the time and my mom's one of my best friends now, and she's amazing. And at the time, after 18 years of marriage and really being devoted to my father, it was such a blow. She became very emotionally unstable. So I went with dad and very shortly had a new stepmother who truly considered me the other woman. And from that point on, I wasn't allowed to speak to my father alone. I wasn't allowed to spend time with him alone. And to this day, I haven't been allowed to speak to him on the phone alone. So it, it changed all the dynamics. And as a result, I really internalized that and started saying, oh, my God, I must not be lovable. You know, at, at 16 years old, when I moved in with mom, my father quit speaking to me for a year. You know, so it was these things of where I'd be like, I'm totally unlovable. And I probably spent the next 15 years dealing with that, you know, if I just had the right relationship or if I just look good enough or I, you know, got as many graduate degrees as I could, then somehow I would be lovable. And it literally, you know, I'm I'm telling you this huge story, but I think it's, it's important because what literally happened, um, and it was about 15 or so years later, I was at a healing school in San Francisco, learning how to channel, you know, basically like divine energy. How do you bring it through you? Be a clear conduit. And the presenter, there's about 40 of us students. When he was up on stage that first night after shaking my hand, um, we're sitting in the audience. I'm sitting beside a girlfriend and he says, hey, you in the blue coat. And I'm looking around like hoping that it's not me. And I look down, I'm like, oh crap, I'm the one in the blue coat. And he's like, I have a message for you. And I'm like, yes. And he says, what I want to tell you is, and then I can't hear him. And so I say to my girlfriend, did you hear what he said? And and before she can even say anything, he's kind of chuckles. And he's like, my dear, what I'm trying to tell you, that's hard for you to hear. And at that moment, all of the air conditioning units in the place went on. This is in San Francisco. And then nobody could hear him. So everybody's laughing at this point. He goes, okay, everybody come up to the stage. He was on the stage and we had these stairs we could sit on below him. And he said, my dear, what I'm trying to tell you that you're so resistant to hearing is stop trying, stop trying. And it's like he keyed into this thing in me that was so powerful that I was trying so hard to earn love. And it was so cathartic for me because I realized at that moment, like, oh, my God, it's not something I can earn anymore. It's not outside of me that it's actually an inside job. And that moment, I mean, and I think about my God since then, 
you know, going on and having all these amazing things in my life and having the amazing relationship and having, you know, the, the great things with, with my career and the film. And I just got a couple months ago, I, I got a publishing contract for my second book and, you know, all these things just continued to bloom and expand, but it really took that moment of going, holy crud, you know, it's, it is not something that we find outside. Happiness is not something we can get. All the strength, mm-hmm. all the beauty, all the wisdom I was searching for was actually right there inside of me. Beautiful. Wow. What a story. And um, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm hearing this is, did you forgive your father? You know, I did. I, I spent, um, you know, I definitely did my work in therapy and in, you know, in spiritual pursuits. Um, and we went on to have an okay relationship. As I said, it was never the same. And to be totally transparent with you, uh, about five years ago, I made the choice to no longer be in relationship with them. Um, he and my stepmother and in the most loving way, it's something I call, you know, detaching with love, wrote them a letter and thanked them for all the wonderful things they had given me. And at the same time, I no longer wanted to be in an unhealthy relationship because those mm-hmm. dynamics had not changed. And, and so I could really let it go totally being, knowing that I had been absolutely present, loving. It wasn't a, you know, your awful letter. It was like, thank you. I love you. And please don't contact me again. Hmm. What a bold move. And one that, uh, you know, I, I've read and have had the scene and even due to a degree in my life as well. And that we all should do. And um, I bring this up in a, in a, in a very uh, positive way. Cause again, you're a transformational coach and many people listening could probably relate to your story in some degree. Um, you know, we are born into families. We don't choose our parents. They do the best they can. They make their choices. They make their bed, so to speak. And, uh, we have to sometimes live in the wake of some of their poor decisions and, um, do what we need to do. And f- forgiveness is usually the first step in the, in the, in a transformational, um, uh, continuum if you will, and uh, being able to forgive that person or people who have hurt you or wronged you, and then you do what you need to do internally. Can you share with us, for those that are experiencing that or have even done that and that courageous act of forgiving someone who's hurt them, loved or you know someone in their family, could you give us the next step of what usually typically happens in your coaching? When they've gotten to the point of forgiveness? Yeah, yes. Just yeah. to kind of give us an idea of the of the continuum of transformation because there there is a continuum. There is a, a process, a program, a system, if you will. Absolutely. I think that, you know, when we're truly able to let go at that level and to truly forgive, I think the next step is really looking within ourselves at where our places are stuck, where our limiting beliefs have gotten stuck, and then you know, if there's some self-forgiveness, I find when I do, there's a, there's a three-year visualization that I do with clients to help move them into the next place. And when they do this three-year visualization, that's one of the pieces, one of these, in, in the middle of this visualization, they stop and I ask them 10 spontaneous questions. They're really in this altered higher place. And from those immediate responses, spontaneous responses, they get this blueprint for really how do they step into the next phase of their life. 
And so one of those pieces is who do I need to forgive? And I'm telling you, I mean, nine times out of 10, they say me, myself, I need to forgive me. Because there's pieces in those relationships that we hold on as well. Mm -hmm. And we feel like, oh, I wish I would have showed up differently in this way or done this different. So those are those are important pieces. And one of the things I love about that visualization as well is one of the questions is, what risks do I need to take? Hmm. What, what? Why is that an important question? Why is that something that you love? I love that because I think when we're in a limited mindset, we're, we're living so much out of fear that we don't even see the possibilities. And sometimes the risks are really simple. Sometimes the risks are actually, I need to have a conversation or I need to be willing to research something that I'm actually afraid of stepping into a bigger version of myself. You know, Steve, that's one of the things that I noticed the most is this process continues to open and unfold. It's actually not that people are so afraid of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to stay small. It's that they're actually afraid of expanding and allowing themselves to be that, that beautiful full essence and greatness, if you will, that they already have mm. inside of them. Mm. Great. I, I love that. I, I think that's so important because there's a, a saying that I typically use with my clients in, in this sort of transformational coaching. Um, and it's everything that you need and want is within you now. And there's so much today it kind of reminds me of the eighties. Uh, I'm dating myself a little bit. I'm 46 years old. So like there was the eighties were a decade of decadence. There was a, 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 it was, it was a, a, an era when more was better. The man with the most toys that dies wins, you know, that it's like excess. And I feel like we are in, and then we went, you know, let's just say 2008, seven, we go through this scarcity mentality and, and, um, you know, persona where everything in the world had come to a crashing halt financially and some of the worst financial disasters and, and breakdowns in our, in our systems and worldwide systems occurred, you know, it's as great and if not greater than the 1929 great depression. And then it kind of starts to escalate again. And I'm using this material kind of concept here because we've gotten so, in my opinion, so fixated on things and possessions and stuff and um, uh, like accolades and likes and things, you know, social media, Instagram, how many likes? I mean, even these social media companies didn't recognize the the impact that they were going to have. And, and I truly believe that. I don't think people are evil. I think that they set it up in a way that was, you know, going to move in a, in a direction they thought, but they didn't think it was maybe going to be as big and as grand as, as it has been or as impactful and in so many negative ways. And they had to cut back and, you know, and most recently that I'm aware of, like Instagram, stop showing how many likes somebody gets. So you don't compare somebody else's likes to your likes. So it's not, you can still find it. It's just not on the surface as easily as it once was because they didn't necessarily understand its impact. And so I feel like we're in this world of comparison and this world of more and me and, um, and excess. I'm afraid of what's going to happen next because this bottom's going to drop out somewhere and people are getting hurt and people like rates of suicide are going up and depression and kids are on medications that they don't necessarily need, but it's because their minds are twisted because of things that we're doing or not doing. Um, 
and I just want to get your take on this. I, this is a, I'm just speaking sort of just very generally about my idea on what the world is, you know, faced with and the challenges. What's next, in your opinion? How do we manage this? What's the what's the best route for being able to be bulletproof in a world that we're in today and maybe going to be exposed to even that could be even more hurtful in a very, very deep way. Yeah, I really hear you, you know, and, and, and resonate Steve with what you're saying. I, I feel like the pandemic was the universe's invitation for us to go within and really do the deep work. I mean, literally and figuratively, like we've been shut in and so we know a lot of, yeah, suicide went up, depression went up, divorces went up. I mean, there was all, you know, all these things happening because people were faced with dealing with themselves and dealing with each other in a more intimate way than they've had to. And as we also know, oftentimes it's, it's these challenges and these really painful difficulties that can become the match point that ignites something within us that then can become like our greatest gift to the world. And I think mm. what we have to do is step into this place where it's, this is not a selfish place, but it's that our own healing is essential. And it actually becomes the least selfish thing you can do is to be able to, and this almost sounds counterintuitive from what you were just talking about. And I, I don't think it is. I think it's right in line. I think when we allow ourselves to be priority in our own lives, not selfishly, but priority in your own lives means that you take full responsibility for your healing and for your what you're contributing first to yourself and then to the world. So what that looks like is that, you know, you make sure like in the morning, I'm going to have a morning routine so that I am absolutely resourcing myself. And what I'm building in that, I'm building resiliency and grit. I'm able to show up in the world in a way where I'm like, okay, I've meditated, I've worked out, I've done my deep gratitude work, and I do a morning practice of surrender, and, and we can talk about that later, but surrender being, you know, one of the deepest healing teachers of my life, you know, literally the times of my life where I've been brought to my knees, and and the duality well, really talk, surrender. talk about that now. What, what does that mean, sure. surrender? Like, I mean, how does that look? How do, what is it? What, what do you do? How does it? manifest. Yeah. You know, so I, I would say, you know, and I, and I actually tell some of the story, I'm kind of giving you a little blurb into my film because I share some of this story um, in the film that my greatest point of surrender came about five years ago. And I'd already, you know, been in spiritual practice of surrender, surrender, but I definitely held on to pieces. And as we all do, you know, I wanted to control things and make things go my way. And I'm like, I want things on my timeline, blah, blah, blah. And after dealing with my daughter's 10-year addiction, um, it had come to a point where she needed to be in treatment for three months. And I took care of her three and four-year-old sons who were, you know, they came out of chaos. And so they were really just unwell. They were just not at, at peace within their little sweet selves. And and the situation literally ended up being at the time, the end of my marriage, I always say, you know, unfortunately and fortunately. Um, and at, at this first week that I had these boys, my husband at the time was gone on a conference. And so I was all alone with these totally undone little, little guys, my daughter's in treatment. I went from going, you know, like literally living this jet set life, like, you know, traveling all over the world and, 
having this life with so these little kids, these little boys are your grandsons. They're my grandsons. Yeah. Okay. So they're my, my beautiful. Grandsons. You do not look like you have grandsons. <laughs> you look like you're <laughs> 35 years old. Oh my God. I love you. I'm, I'm actually, I'm turning 54 in a month. So thank you. So it's, you know, my 32 year old daughter uh, at now at the time, but at the time, um, you know, and, and it was so, th- so there's this one night where I'm, there with the little guys and to go from living this really big, luxurious life to all of a sudden, like I'm alone, I'm with these boys, you know, I'm at my psychotherapy practice all day. And then all my whole life is just taking care of these boys. And, and it's, I know, you know, millions of mothers do that all the time, but I'm like, I've already done this. And to come back into this career, you know, I'm, I'm in this night where I'm literally, I'm so exhausted and I have no support. And I'm lying there with my head against the nightstand in between these two twin beds, trying to comfort these boys, you know, rubbing their backs so they can fall asleep. I'm at the end of my being emotionally, physically, and I get into bed and I'm just furious. I'm so pissed, you know, and I'm going, God, why? You know, why? I, I just, this is not how I wanted life to be. This isn't what I signed up for. I was mad at my daughter and I was mad at God and I was mad at my husband. And I just, and it was so interesting. It was like something just came over me and it was so powerful. Like I literally hit my knees. I'm on the floor going, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. I can't fix anything. I can't make anything happen. I can't make this be the way I want it to. And I've got to surrender to that higher power for me, which I call the divine. I mean, I have to just surrender and say, you take it. You know, I've heard this great speaker, Rob Bell, said that at one point, you know, he just like wanted to hold up a sign that say, said, you take it to God, mm-hmm. you know, because it's literally like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And my ego, I, you, know, you have to like throw it away. And I just had to be like, whatever is supposed to happen. Like, I'm giving this up. I'm surrendering, pushing my will, my ego forward. Mm-hmm. And I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning. It was like three or four that morning in total peace for like the first time in like four years where it was just like, Oh my God, I don't have to struggle, you know? And it's people sometimes I think confuse surrender with being weak. It doesn't mean Mm. you become a doormat. It doesn't mean that you don't have opinions or you still are striving or thriving. It's that you actually, it's like you're letting go of this ego self that feels like I have to make this happen. And when you trust life, You know, I I love Jacob Lieberman, who's been one of my spiritual mentors and dear friends. He says to me, you know, life is looking for you. Life is looking for you. And so we can relax into that. You know, it's Mm. it's really saying like, if if we can just trust that life really will show up for us and guide Mm. us exactly where we need to go, give us exactly what we need when we need it. That we really, it's like we can relax into this beingness that we don't have to be so damn focused on just doing, doing, thriving, grasping. It's a really Mm. different, beautiful energy. And so I do a morning practice. That's part of what we were talking about. You know, what do you do before I get out of bed? And it literally started, I started waking up this way, which I have to tell you. So that was really interesting. Like, it's not like I planned this. Like I would literally wake up in the morning with one hand on my heart, on my chest, one hand on my belly. And it was like, I just had this like total connection and just feeling like, okay, I'm surrendering. Whatever it is in this day, 
I just totally, and, and then I'm like in the deepest place of gratitude. And it's just this really beautiful connection place for me. And it's like, yeah, that's how I want to prime my heart, mind, body, and soul every morning. Hmm. And so I think, again, it's one of those ways that we show up in the world. And that practice for me, that builds resiliency because I don't allow then what's happening in our outer circumstances. You know, that doesn't dictate who I am or how I feel about me. That doesn't dictate my inner state of being. So I can notice what's happening. I notice it. I'm aware of it. And even though life's going to continue to be challenging and we're going to continue to have difficulties, when you're in that place, it's like we're actually able to respond to life instead of be on this like ah, reactive plane to whatever. It's like, you know, if we're a boat and, and the wind blows and every time just a little wind blows, we're like, oh, I'm going to capsize. I'm going to capsize. We're totally, you know, we're totally enslaved to the wind. And instead it's like, okay, the wind can really blow and I'm okay. I'm going to move mm-hmm. with it. I'm not going to resist it. And somehow then that's what keeps my, my, my ship from sinking. I love that. Great metaphor. So you touched on your book. I mean, you're a movie. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Tell us the title. Tell us what it's about. Tell us how to access it and where we can view it. Yeah, thank you. So um, the, the movie's called When Sparks Ignite. And it came actually out of my friendship with Jacob Lieberman. And I was actually on Maui. He lives on Maui. And we were having breakfast a couple days in a row. And this idea of um, lights of the round table, like we'd get, you know, at the first, at first he was like, well, let's bring like eight people to my house. He lives in this gorgeous home where all the walls in the dining room are glass and you can mm. see the ocean. You know, it's just really beautiful. So that we would all sit around this round table and that I would interview people and we'd talk about meaningful things in life. That was kind of our first little idea. And then this was actually, so that happened and it was years later, I, I was finishing a meditation and just got this download. I was like, oh my God, like I feel so blessed. Like I know some of the most brilliant minds and most serving hearts on the planet. What would happen if I brought them together? And not only did we do this lights of the round table and film it, but we actually came together. And the, and at the end of this, we'd have a summit, but not a summit where people just come and present for 45 minutes and leave. That this would actually be a summit where the presenters would come a couple days ahead of time for their own experience. And so we did that. I mean, it, it was absolutely, it, it was breathtaking, the, the serendipity of all of it. These people that get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars combined to speak all came for free, all believed in the project. Um, George and Sedina Capanelli, who are television and film producers who just, that they do the Ageless Living series on PBS. Um, I connected with them, again, serendipitously and So they were two of the presenters, connected me with their award-winning film crew who came and filmed all of it. And so we had, you know, part of the film is people really talking about things that people have not heard these people talk about. You know, Larry Dossie and and Barbie Dossie and um, Steve Behrman and his wife. And Steve wrote the book with Bruce Lipton, Spontaneous Evolution. And of course, Jacob Lieberman was there and Stephanie Schwartz, who's if you know him, he's a scientific researcher who did, you know, with his submarine, did a series with Leonard Nimoy 
on remote viewing. He's who's who in the world. I mean, these people that are George, um, also, I, I can't forget um, Gabrielle and Solomon Masala. I mean, just these amazing hearted people, Misa Hopkins. Um, so all these amazing healers and wonderful people. And the first part of the film is them sharing like the most challenging points in their life, their pain points, you know? And, and so the first day was interviewing them and really people, you know, saying, this is what was painful for me. This is what was really real for me. This was this catalyst point. And also what was really beautiful in the film is one of my clients who was in, she's an ex-client, but she was in a 42 year abusive marriage. And so you get to follow her journey, you know, through how she healed, how she had a total transformation of how she believed and thought and how that ignited in her own life. And then how she started contributing as a result of her own healing. So for the two days ahead of time, I mean, it was so cool. We, we danced together. We ate meals together. We meditated together. We made music together. And the alchemy that was created in that group was so strong and so beautiful. When we got on that stage, it was like this cohesive group that also stayed in the audience to support one another. And so, you know, as Jacob Lieberman says, it's like, we're all the same height, you know? And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're all in this together. And so the film is really tribute to that. You know, what we were talking about earlier that those challenges and struggles really can be the match point that ignites something within us that then becomes our greatest gift to the world, to humanity. And so part of my biggest message, I think, to people right now is your healing matters. It absolutely matters and is essential. And as you help heal yourself and take responsibility for that healing, you're changing how you show up in the world. You're changing the vibration of your being. You're changing your frequency. So as you're walking down the street and interacting with people, you're actually changing the frequency of those people around you. It's like, that's one of the most beautiful ways we can contribute. And again, in the mm -hmm. end, it's only selfish things you can do. And I do believe, Steve, with all my heart, that's our way through. That's our way through whatever's going to be coming up in the next era of the world. I love it. And that sounds like an extraordinary experience that you had filming that film and the message that you can uh, watch. Where can people access it? Where can they watch it? So right now, all they can do is, is watch the trailer, which is on my website, stephaniejames.world. And we're actually right now, it's Gaia Network has it. And mm. so we're just kind of in negotiations with them, seeing what happens. And it will be out sometime this year. And, and I could, cool. you know, let you know when that's going to be available, but it's, it's, it's either going to be there, Amazon prime, it'll be available. It's going to be out in the next year. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to do another, another podcast or just a little recap and focus solely on that and just get it out there. Oh, it I sounds extraordinary. I've, you know, the meeting of the minds, these masters, if you will, of, uh, you know, transformation, knowledge, experience that help people to see things in just a new perspective. It's a, it's always great to listen. That's why I think podcasts are an extraordinary way to hear something that you may not have heard before that may resonate, or if you've heard it, it may just be the right time, the right moment, the right voice, the right incantation, uh, the right person who, you know, you just connect with on some kind of level. It's extraordinary the opportunities we have today to heal. Um, you know, something when you said we all, we all need to heal, there's something that comes up that I want to share. And also I'd love for you to chime in on this and 
make sure that you also complete this thought that healing does not mean that you're broken. Healing does not mean that you're broken. Healing is uh, an opportunity for you to grow. I believe with, with every breakdown, there's that possibility and potential for a breakthrough. And it's all lessons, right? If you look and read any autobiography of the greats, you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, uh, and many, many, many others, um, they all have had breakdowns and failures and disappointments and bankruptcies and anything that you can think of that's gone bad, but they come out of it. And that's what I believe we need to do today. And that's a part of that healing process of just taking what we've maybe done in the past and reworking it, tweaking it, and figuring out perhaps a new way of being, which is, you know, what you said, to have and live the best life that we deserve to have and live. Yeah. I, and, and I think that's right on. I think that what's really important for people to hear also is that there's never this ultimate point of arrival. You know, I hear that from my clients all the time. Like, when do we get there? Like, when do we get to stop you know, quote unquote, working. And it's not that people need to be with a transformational coach forever. Or they need to be with a therapist forever. But what it is, is our inner work is always going to be there. As long as we're breathing, you know, my sense, my experience is that's what we're here for, to learn, to learn how to heal. And, to, and then we literally are those healers as well. And we don't have to be fully healed to be a healer. And I think that's an right. essential piece as well. You know, it's, it's the energy that you're bringing. It's, it's your ability to be open, to be vulnerable, to be able to look inside and say, wow, I still have a wound around that. I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm going to do some work around that. I'm going to meditate or I'm going to, you know, do different things so that I can allow that healing to begin. Um, I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to talk to, you know, a therapist or a coach and help move that energy. So there's so many ways we can move into healing and it is a continual process. And honestly, I think it takes a lot of strength, a lot more strength to be like, okay, let's look and see what's in here. I'm willing to dive deep, right? I'm willing to go, okay, where am I unhealed? Um, instead of just ignoring it. I mean, it, it takes much less. I mean, and, and as, as I, I am imagining, you know, what we resist persists. So if we, you know, keep trying to keep those things underground, they're going to come back with a vengeance. So if we can learn to truly befriend our emotions, befriend what comes up around us and our own experience, we're going to be able to transform it. We can transmute the experience, the energy. And so healing becomes just, it's again, it's a gift, right? Wonderful. And Stephanie, in anything closing, would you recommend someone who's feeling this inspiration, this motivation to heal? Where do they start? Where do they begin? How do they get there? Uh, obviously, you are a, a great resource to reach out to. Um, and please, you know, plug yourself and give the, the resources and ability for someone to reach out to you, but perhaps also, you know, direct them in an also a, another direction or a way that they can do it immediately where they can take action right now. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great suggestion. Um, a number one, I, this, this is what I would honestly tell you, and it's going to sound formulaic, but it's, it's truly how I think it's, a, it's an entry point. And I think each person can ask themselves these three questions in the morning that will start you on this path to healing. 
And I think truly what happens to all of us is we start to get worried and anxious about what if, what could happen, you know, and we get ourselves so far out there that we're just doing this adrenaline dump. We're doing this cortisol dump continually. So it's how do we move into this place where we're just going to be in this 24 hours? Okay. And just so encapsulating that. And so we ask ourselves these questions. They're, they're the three C's to me. So the first one is, how do I take care of myself in this 24 hours? So if I really think about that, and I really encourage people to write it down because it really helps it to stick. And then we make more of a commitment to follow through. Well, today, what I need to do to take care of myself, I've got to be outside. I got to be in touch with nature. I'm going to walk and that's, you know, I'm going to yoga to exercise. I'm going to do a 20 minute sit and eat nutritious foods today. One of the ways I'm going to take care of myself is I'm going to listen to something that makes me laugh and lifts my spirits. I'm going to listen to music that, you know, speaks to my soul. I'm going to take a bubble bath tonight. And for me, it would probably be, you know, reading um, Better Homes and Garden or something. So, you know, it, it, it's doing whatever that is that nurtures your particular soul in that day. The second C is how do I connect today? You know, and we felt so isolated, I know, and so many people have felt shut in. We are interconnected beings and we need one another. So don't just text. I really, I just encourage people, please, you know, do a FaceTime, do a phone call, do a Zoom call if you can't see someone in, in person. And you can connect with yourself. There's a beautiful havening method that like right now you could like rub your own arms, you can rub your face. You can do this beautiful self-soothing where you're rubbing your neck and down into your chest, literally giving yourself some holding and a hug. It'll literally neurologically start changing things for you and you start experiencing connectedness. And the third C is how can I be creative today, which is around how can you tap into flow? So, and creativity looks really different for everyone. You don't have to be a writer. You know, you don't have to be an artist. Maybe being creative is just singing and whatever lyrics come up for you, you're just singing in the shower. Nobody has to hear you. Um, being creative can literally be, I mean, one of my favorites is like coming up with like 10 songs that really like make me feel maybe it's joyful one day, or maybe it's like, oh, these are all like my heart songs. I love these. Or these songs make me want to dance. You know, last night for me, when I was cooking in the kitchen, it was funk music. I mean, it's just whatever's speaking to us that day. And so, and being creative can be, you know, putting on something and then, you know, doing like a mandala coloring book. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, this huge arts and craft creative project. It's just like, how can I think differently? Maybe I walk a different way today. Maybe I, you know, so I'm paying attention and I'm taking in, you know, the sights and the sounds around me. So when mm -hmm. we're in that creative flow, we really tap into a deeper sense of well-being. And just like any muscle, when we do it continually, we're building that muscle. Again, we're building that resilience and that resourcefulness and our own well-being. So, you know, truly, Steve, the point of power is in the present moment. And we can access this right now. And so, and to, and to say, you know, it's, and if people want to get a hold of me, I, I would love to work with anyone that is wanting to do that kind of larger transformational change. And even if it's, and I, I don't even say larger, I mean, even if it's something like you're like, I've been wanting to do this one change and I just can't believe in myself in this way, or I can't break through this limiting belief, you know, that's what my work is about. And so people can get a free 20 minute consultation with me, an exploratory call. They can find out all the information about me on my website, which is stephaniejames.world. 
what's your, who is your ideal client? Um, I would say my ideal client is someone who is um, motivated to make that substantial change, that they are someone who is taking responsibility for like, okay, this is my life and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to do the follow through because it's not just the every other week session, you know, it's what you're doing in between times. So it's, you know, it's someone who's really ready to do that, who's like, you know, and, and the ideal client is someone like all of us. They still are wounded. They still have limiting beliefs. They still have different, you know, aspects, but they also know like this, I, I want this. I'm ready for this next level where I can see and I'm willing to put in the work to have that best life in whatever mm -hmm. capacity that is for them, however they define that. I love it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Stephanie James, Night Your Best Life, Illuminate Your Worlds. She is the real deal. I love it. You have a very profound, positive energy that radiates through the screen and in your voice. And um, I am excited for people to reach out to you. I hope that this is something, a channel that they can, you know, reach out and feel confident and comfortable in that possibility of creating a transformation in their lives. Um, and I'm excited to see your, your film and excited that we can potentially have another podcast to really hone in and focus on that so that we can market that and get that out there as well and share it with the world. So it's what it takes. One person, one light, one one opportunity at a time. Stephanie, you've been extraordinary um, to have a conversation with. I thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're you're lighting up the light. You're lighting up the world. And I'm uh, I'm grateful that I was able to be in your presence during this conversation. Oh, thank you, Steve. Honored to be here with you. Such a joy. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, stay healthy and well. Thank you for spending your time with me and my guest today on the Steve Jordan Experience. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things that you can do. First, sharing is caring. So show your family and friends how much you care about them by sharing this podcast to encourage them to live their best life. Two, go to my website, stevejordan.com, to subscribe to my Get Fit community. Here, you will receive updates, news, and valuable information for ways for you to get more involved in the Steve Jordan experience. And finally, take a minute to please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps me to continue to get outstanding guests to create an extraordinary listening experience for you. That's all, friends. Thanks for listening to the Steve Jordan experience.